Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. We are live on this Saturday, the second day of December. Welcome, friends, to our time of prayer and scripture reading together. Pro-life leader Frank Pavone here, director of Priests for Life, and I see the our room uh, filling up here, and uh, welcome your comments. And in fact, I want to start by asking you a question. What do you think are some of the key things the Lord does not want us to worry about as we await His second coming, as we prepare for that second coming? We're going to read a passage today where He talks about, He warns about worldly anxieties. And I mean, that's a broad term. Are there some specific things he really does not want us to be worrying about? And, and if we do worry about them, we end up uh, missing him, not thinking about him the way we should, not being alert to our spiritual lives because we're too worried about other things. Let me know your thoughts about that as we get started here because I'm sure what I'm about to say is also going to be on your mind already. So... We put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. Also, of course, as always, feel free to um, uh, put your prayer intentions in the comments and we'll, we'll all pray for one another. Tomorrow, the season of Advent begins, tonight actually, with the Vigil Masses. So we'll be live again tomorrow on the first Sunday of Advent, New Church Year, getting ready for Christmas and uh, getting ready for the second coming of Christ. So we'll have a lot to say about, uh, about that. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, you tell us not to be anxious, not to be choked off by the anxieties of the world. Help us, indeed, to focus on you, starting with repentance for our sins. We do ask forgiveness for all that we have done that offended you, for all that we have failed to do, that took away from our service of you. Help us, Lord God, to start anew every day with joy and with peace and with power in the transforming power of your grace. Lord, thank you for this time that we spend with you, with one another, with your word. Enable us to understand it more deeply, live it more faithfully, and proclaim it more effectively. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. A reading from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said to His disciples, Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. And that day catch you by surprise like a trap. For that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the Son of Man. He's coming back, brothers and sisters. This is the last day of the church's liturgical year in uh, 2023. And in these final weeks of the church's year, the themes of the readings and the prayers in the liturgy, is, the theme is always the second coming of Christ, looking ahead to the end times. He's going to come on a day that we do not expect. And he says here and in many other passages, Be ready, 
But there's a particular aspect of that readiness, that vigilance, that he mentions here. A few things. Carousing and drunkenness. Okay, we know what, what that means. Because what does that do? When, when, you're, when, you're, drunk, when you're drunk, you have... You, you lose your, your, your clarity of, of thought. You lose your, your wisdom of judgment. And then he says, in a wider context, all the anxieties of daily life. Again, what do you think that means? You know, he, uh, he made reference to this choking power of the anxieties of daily life in the parable of the, the sower of the seed, right? Remember when he said, you know, some of the, uh, the seed uh, landed uh, among thorns and they got choked out. And so the, uh, he said the anxieties of worldly daily life. So we live in this world. We have the duties and responsibilities that pertain to our own vocations in this world, our daily duties and our daily problems. We have to deal with those things. But we have to deal with them in the context of journeying towards heaven and being aware that we're living the, that eternal life of heaven now in our relationship with God and His, His living within us, His dwelling inside of us. Like St. Paul says, are you not aware that Christ Jesus is in you? So it's always a struggle of balancing those things, isn't it? I need to pay the bills. I need to show up for work, I need to do my chores around the house, I need to fix the car or the, 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 the hole in the, uh, in the porch or uh, the broken plumbing or air conditioning, all the problems as well as the responsibilities take a lot of time and a lot of attention. We have to use each of our activities as a stepping stone to the Lord, each of our activities as a spiritual sacrifice to God, done with love of Him, done in order to bring us closer to Him. So when we're fixing a roof or repairing our car or washing the floor, we're engaged in a dual task. It's that, and it's also showing an act of love and union with the will of God. I love you, Lord. That's why I'm going to wash this floor and I'm going to do it well. So there's that part of it. Jesus is saying, don't let the fact that you have so many pressing things that you have to do make you forget me. See me right in the midst of that. Don't think, too, that it's a trade-off that, okay, well, now I'm going to wash the floor, but later on I'll think about Jesus. It's not one or the other. It's got to be, Lord Jesus, I know I have all these things to do, and I am going to set aside time just with you for prayer. But that doesn't mean that when I leave my prayer time, I leave you. I'm not going to leave you at any moment. I'm going to be worshiping you and praising you as I take that stain off the floor, as I fix that pump in, in, the, in the car. I'm going to be praising you. I'm going to do it for you, as well as for my family, my, my, my community, or any other acts of service you might do for the, for the church or for your fellow neighbor. But there's a deeper kind of worldly anxiety that I want to focus on here. A deeper kind of worldly anxiety that we usually don't think about when we read this passage. Let's go to this again. 
He says, the day is coming, the day of the Lord's return, the day of judgment. Don't let it catch you by surprise because your hearts, see, he uses an interesting phrase here. Don't let your hearts become drowsy. Interesting phrase. Don't let your hearts become drowsy by the anxieties of life. What anxiety? What would we be worrying about that makes our heart drowsy? First of all, what is, we know what it means if our eyes are drowsy, our muscles are drowsy, but for our heart to be drowsy. The heart is the center of our love and our desire, our focus, our motivation. What are we about each day? That's our heart. We have a heart for ending abortion. We have a heart for seeing the gospel proclaimed. We have a heart for bringing people to Christ. Heart becoming drowsy means what it is that we're really focused on, what it is that we really desire, loses its specificity, loses its clarity of focus. I'm not sure if that's the main thing I want. That's the drowsiness of the heart. We have to be careful that our hearts don't become drowsy. We don't hear this, this, these kinds of explanations most of the time. The drowsiness of the heart. What are you really after? What's more important than anything else? The drowsiness of the heart is when we're, we're not sure of the answer to that question. We have conflicting things. We have conflicting things that... That, 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 are, that are claiming the place of what is most important. You know, you can get anything you want in life if you're willing to sacrifice everything else. You can get, any, you can get anything you want depending on how much of the rest of it you're willing to sacrifice, you're willing to lose, right? If I'm willing to lose my reputation among certain people or certain worldly favors of access to, 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 to important or powerful people or prestige, titles, positions. You know, if you're willing to lose friends, if you're willing to lose your job, if you're willing to lose comfort or convenience, if you're willing to lose possessions, money, or even some freedom, it's amazing what you can do. Do not let your heart become drowsy. Know each day what's most important and what you are after. And one of the ways the heart becomes drowsy, just to dig down one level deeper, is that we're trying to please others. Not serve others, please them. Let me read, uh, connected with this idea. Matthew 22 Starting with verse 15, now the point here is not what the message is that Jesus gives. It's about paying taxes to Caesar, and you know what he says, give, give the taxes to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. Um, but listen how it starts, because it's what the Pharisees say to him, that, you know, they're, 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 they're against him, they're trying to trap him, but nevertheless they're speaking the truth when they give this particular... Uh, this particular praise to Jesus. 
The Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. There it is. There it is. Do not let your heart become drowsy. Don't get swayed by appearances or influenced by what other people's opinion is so that therefore you are less truthful with yourself and with others about what the Word of God requires. That is a key anxiety of life that Jesus is warning us to Avoid. He's warning us not to let that make our hearts drowsy because that's exactly what it does. Then we have to ask the question, well, what's more important to me today? Pleasing God or pleasing the people around me? Not that those two are always in conflict. Very often they're not. You please God, you serve God, you're going to make a lot of people happy. People around you are going to be lifted up. They're going to be cheered. They're going to be encouraged. They're going to be edified. They're going to have a good example. They're going to be consoled. They're going to be taught, instructed. Following the way of God does good to the people around us. But there are those circumstances in which because some people around us aren't as tuned into the Lord and His Word as we are, because some people around us may be even setting themselves against us or trying to interfere or trying to, like the... Pharisees here trap us in our speech. Some people do not have goodwill towards us. We have to be so focused in our heart's desire that we say, you know what? I don't care. Not because we don't care about that person. We love those people. We're supposed to love everybody. We want to serve everybody. We don't want to have enemies. Whether you have enemies isn't just something that's up to you. You may have in your heart a a, a, a perfect love for everybody. That doesn't mean you don't have enemies. You and I get enemies because the enemy sets him or herself up against us. Not because we do, they do. It takes two to have a relationship. So yeah, we have enemies. We all do. Because we have people who set themselves against the very things that we believe and cherish love and follow and proclaim. So the drowsiness of the heart is when we just start to give a little bit too much importance to, as the Pharisees say here, anyone's opinion. Now, listen, don't get me wrong. I I lead a major ministry, as you know, a major organization. I'm always looking for the opinions of other people. This has nothing to do with being smart enough to know that you don't know everything and relying on other people who know more about something than you do and who may be willing to share their knowledge, their wisdom, their insight, their experience. Use that. Always use that. You know, from from my earliest uh, years in my spiritual journey, I've always repeated to myself the saying that everyone is my superior in that I may learn from them. We always can we can learn from anybody, everybody. Uh, this, by the way, uh, uh, is one of the, the great qualities that President Trump has. He listens to, he doesn't care if you're, you know, some high and mighty uh, billionaire 
uh, or, 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 or the, 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 the hotel, uh, the guy who cleans the floor in the hotel, he'll listen because he knows this, the truth of this, that I can learn from everybody. And, that, and that's how you become the smartest in the end. Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully and you do not care about anyone's opinion. Do not caring about anyone's opinion doesn't mean that you don't want to hear others or learn from them. It means that your heart is not going to become drowsy. Your priority, no matter what other people's opinion might be or what they might do to you as a result of your opinion being different from theirs, you stay the course. That's what the Lord is saying we should do. Instead of our hearts becoming drowsy, and so, let me see, oh, I, uh, let, me, let me see if I could please this person here. And maybe not talk about things like, oh, abortion. Preachers who don't want to offend those Democrat Donors sitting in the front row of the church. Shame on the cowards who keep their mouths shut because they want their bank accounts open. Shame on them. The money's not going to go with them to the judgment seat. There's, a, there's another passage. Let me, let me illustrate this also. You know the letter of James, chapter 2. Because, you know, this is... This is so key, especially in our day when we see the cancel culture. You know what the cancel culture is all about? Leaders' hearts becoming drowsy. They can't take it when some of us speak up. And so they try to sideline us and shut us up. Like Antonia is saying just now, Bishop Strickland spoke up and got fired. And you know why I was, I was with him not too long ago, speaking with him. By the way, today he's starting a private retreat for two weeks, so... Uh, Pray for him. He's going to be rejuvenated, and then he'll be back in, back in full view and, and full, uh, full voice. But he's making a, making a retreat now, starting today. But he said, yeah, I'm going to continue speaking up. I'm going to continue. See, his heart is not drowsy. Oh, uh, the, the, uh, the, these other bishops want me to, to be quiet about this. This has been brewing for years and years. Don't, don't think that this was a lightning bolt out of nowhere. It's been brewing for years. Oh, these bishops don't want me to speak up about this or speak up about that. Or, or the Pope is, 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 uh, uh, um, doesn't like the fact that I'm, 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 I'm saying that uh, some of these things about the Synod are going in the wrong direction. And so someone who, unlike Jesus, cares about others' opinions to the point that they're going to change your own heart's priorities, they're drowsy of heart. James, um, and they're not prepared to welcome the Lord when he comes. Because the day, he says in this passage, the day is going to be, surprise you like a trap. Because when Jesus appears publicly, everybody's going to realize one thing in one instant. My goodness, I should have put him first. Here he is coming on the clouds of heaven in glory, accompanied by the angels. He's about to judge the world. Oops. How many people are going to say, oops. I put my priorities in the wrong place. I should have been thinking about pleasing Him. It'll take you by surprise. Like He says in Matthew 25, to those who didn't feed the hungry, welcome the poor, visit the imprisoned, protect the unborn. We can, we can add. 
And they'll say, well, Lord, when did we, when did we see you hungry and not, and not feed you? It's taking them by surprise. Because their hearts got drowsy and they forgot about the priority of serving other people in need. So many of our hearts are drowsy about the unborn. Oh my goodness, there's no drowsiness of heart worse than the drowsiness of heart we have right now as a society towards the unborn. We are more than drowsy, we are comatose. It, it, there's no response there. It's flatline. It's opaque. We're not responding to them as persons. We're negotiating away their lives. They're not real. I was speaking to a reporter yesterday, and uh, uh, she said to me, it was a very good interview, and I'm very grateful for her. Uh, uh, the story is, 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 uh, is out in the Washington Examiner. And she said, you know, the Democrats are saying they want to make abortion the, 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 the top uh, issue in the election, and they think they can win with that. What do you have to say to them? I said, I said go for it. Make a, I want abortion to be the main issue, too. But my challenge to these Democrats is be honest about it and start off by telling us what an abortion is. That's what they do. See, see, they're such hypocrites. They say they want abortion to be... Oh, this is going to be our winning issue, okay? And so they want, to, they want to motivate their base on the abortion issue. So they make people think that they want to make abortion an issue, and then they talk about everything except abortion. Reproductive rights, women's health. I'm in favor of that. Reproductive rights. You know, you know what, the, 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 what goes against reproductive rights? In China, for example, when they tell you, well, they tell, tell parents when they have to stop having children. They put a limit. And if they go beyond that limit, there's forced abortion. That's against reproductive freedom. That's against reproductive. We believe in reproductive rights. We believe in women's health. We believe in freedom of choice. We just don't believe in killing babies. So if the other side were a little bit, just a little bit honest. If those who are pushing for these constitutional amendments like they, like they did in Ohio, if they were just a little bit honest, they would tell people what it's about. But they're not honest at all. They lie, not only about abortion, these, these Democrats, uh, and I'm not talking about grassroots Democrats out there, many voters who are pro-life and identify with the Democrat, I'm talking about the leadership you know, of the party. And these, and these, and these high-profile candidates, they lie. These strategists, the party apparatus, they lie. They lie about everything. So it's, uh, you know, you want to make abortion the, the issue. Okay, well, yeah, be my guest. And start by describing an abortion. Well, I want you to show, in fact, let's have a, a, well, your, 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 your TV ads that you're going to do, your political ads. Yeah, I'm all in favor of you making abortion the, the topic of your multi-million dollar ad buys. I, I'm all in favor of that. Go right ahead. Show an abortion. You think a single one of these hypocrite losers would ever show an abortion? I'm talking about show an abortion. There have been people on, on social media, I told a reporter this yesterday, who, who over the years they've put up videos you know, on there. Facebook. They said, oh, I filmed my abortion today. I filmed my abortion. 
and you look at the video, and what do you see? You see their face. You didn't film your abortion. All right, I'll take your word for it that while you were filming, you were having an abortion. But you didn't film your abortion. You want to film an abortion, you've got to film what's going on inside and what the abortionist is taking out of your body and then putting in a pan and then reassembling the arms, the legs, and the skull. You want to show an abortion? Be my guest. That's what I, that's what I want to see. Okay, James chapter 2. My brothers, this is now about the drowsiness of the heart. It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, and you say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Back to today's reading. Beware that your hearts do not become drowsy from the anxieties of life. The anxieties that we're not going to please the rich and the powerful. Oh, once again, that those church leaders who just are interested in pleasing the rich and the powerful. Not that that's the only thing that many of them are interested in. It's just that their hearts have become drowsy. And they're giving too much importance to that. These deluded Democrat donors that will go to a bishop and say, I'm going to withhold my funding from you if you get, if you get too aggressive on abortion. What's this, what's, what, how, how do you prepare for the coming of the Lord if you're in that situation? He's going to come on the clouds in glory. Every eye will see him, even of those who pierced him. Every knee will bend. And how embarrassed they're going to be that they couldn't open their mouths and move their tongues because somebody standing there in their hypocritical delusion, pro-abortion with blood on their hands, wouldn't give, that, give their money to the diocese or to the parish. Hypocrites. Brothers and sisters, Let's take this into our own hearts first. Lord, today, I want one thing. Whether I'm cleaning the floor, repairing the car, shopping for groceries, putting a post on social media, teaching my children, doing my job, whatever it is, I want really, among all these things, to do one thing today, Lord, one thing. I want to please you. That's my focus. That's my desire. That's my prize. I will sacrifice everything else in order to please you. This, Lord God, I know is the road to holiness. This is the essence of holiness. That I be in union with your will. And I know, Lord, that when I'm in union with your will, I will please many people. I will enrich and inspire many people. I know also, Lord, I know, I will offend some. So be it. 
because my heart's not going to become drowsy with the anxiety about what are they going to say about me and what are they going to do to me or what are they going to take away from me. Lord, at the judgment, it is not they who will appear on a throne to judge me. It's not the rich and the powerful, the influential, who are going to appear on a throne to judge me. Lord, it's not my employer who's going to appear on a throne to judge me, and it's not my bishop either, and it's not the pope. Lord, it's not the wealthy donor, it's not the influential person, it's not the... They're not going to come in glory accompanied by the holy angels and sit on a throne and judge me and decide whether I'm going to spend eternity in heaven or in hell. It's not going to be them. It's not going to be any of them. It's going to be you. Help me, Lord, to keep my heart focused, pure, crystal, clean, laser focused, and everything else will fall into place. Let's pray now as Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray for, to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right, we've concluded the church year. In a few hours, we're going to start hearing in churches... O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. Are you ready? You ready for Advent? You see that there's a, one of you was complimenting the, 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 the tree behind me. Let me assure you, we have these Christmas decorations up and many other people do. It's, it's Advent tomorrow. It's starting tonight. We're going to celebrate Advent. We don't want to miss or rush the season of Advent. We're very, 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 very aware of that and sensitive to that. And, and we use these Christmas decorations. Part of it is practicality, just having them up ready, ready in time and all the people come to visit and all the pre-Christmas activities. But obviously we know it's the season of expectation. It's the, it's the season of awaiting the Lord's coming. Now what we're going to do tomorrow when we do our live broadcast, and bring other people with you tomorrow if you can, um, same time, same channel. We're going to have, uh, uh, you can't see it right now, but off to the side there, we have the Advent wreath. So we'll have the Advent wreath there tomorrow, and we'll light the first candle and uh, uh, we'll kindle in our hearts by means of the readings, the desire that we have. He's coming back. The Lord Jesus is coming back. But we'll, uh, uh, we'll uh, uh, talk about that more uh, tomorrow. One of you is saying, I love it when you sing, Father. Miss it when you always sang during the Mass. Yeah, I always would sing during the Mass. I, I would sing more, more than, than uh, you know, at the average priest. And uh, sometimes I would even sing the consecration. Uh, singing the words of the consecration really makes it uh, makes it memorable and uh, uh, and uh, uh, impressive. Um, I might as well take this question here. One of you is saying, "I thought we uh, put Christmas decorations up after December 16th." Um, that is a tradition in in, in some places. And what you're what, what that refers to is the great days of Advent, starting on the 17th of December. We enter into a special period the week before Christmas 
where there's a more intense focus on the event of Christ's nativity, his birth, and uh, the, um, uh, uh, there are special prayers there. But, you know, the earlier season, the earlier part of the Advent season is actually focused on the second coming of Christ at the end of time. And, of course, that merges into the first coming, and it's all, it's all together the reality of God coming to his people. But, but uh, those are distinctions within Advent. But it's not like it's a hard and fast rule. It's not like it's a requirement of the church. It's, there are different customs in different people, uh, different places, and among different cultures and subcultures. So, uh, uh, oh, Suzanne is saying, I've never heard you say Mass. Actually, Suzanne, thank you for saying that because this is a good reminder. You know, my Masses are all there on uh, online still. I haven't taken any of them down. So if you want to go, I think if you go to uh, Pro-Life Mass, ProLifeMass.org, um, and uh, you'll be able to see all the, all the televised Masses that uh, I've done over the years. They're up there online. Uh, you know, we respect the, uh, the limitations uh, that I'm under at the present, but th that doesn't mean we have the right or the duty to uh, try to uh, uh, change the past. <laughs> the past is what it is. God, not even God can change it. So let's enjoy it. Let's, let's go back and we can see some of those things. Uh, so I thank you all for uh, your support and your prayers. And uh, if you can make a little end of the year donation to Priests for Life, I would appreciate that, true, that, that too, because uh, we truly need it. We rely only on people like you. Remember, we rely only on people like you. We don't get big funding uh, from the, certainly from the government or, or from uh, the church. Just people like you. So ProLifeGift.org is where you can go for that kind of support. Thanks for joining me. We'll be back live tomorrow for the first Sunday of Advent. Have a great day. God bless. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to ProLifeGift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.